Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O, and you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Justin Bizarro. You can also find our podcast at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs on Facebook and Instagram. And I know a lot of people are reaching out to me on DM and on email, the new podcast. And so we split the podcast in two. Is any leadership-related, motivational stuff that's going on the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. Um, you can also find that online on Instagram and Facebook at Centurion Leadership Battalion. And so please do that. Also, that brings me to a note as I know a lot of people are reaching out um, about how happy they are and about being on the podcast and um, that we're continuing on even with the current crisis and building hope and, and showing that life moves forward. But really, it's um, you guys DM, and if you don't like me first, um, I don't always catch the DMs. So I know I'm catching up on a lot of DMs because they go into a separate area. But if you like Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or like Justin Bizarro, then it's your messages will come right up. Um, otherwise, they go in this weird filter thing, and I don't always catch them. So I apologize about taking so long to respond. But you know, and there's tons of you guys, I get like 500 messages, yet we only have so many likes on Instagram. So you want me to respond faster, you got to give me some likes on there. So I know you guys are actually communicating with me because now I have a backlog of answering all you guys. So I apologize about all of that. Um, That being said, quick reminder, uh, like I said, you guys are asking about the two podcasts, Justin the Food Entrepreneur's only focusing on the food entrepreneurs moving forward. That's why we split it into two. It's about the food entrepreneurs. It's about their stories. It's about their lessons for all of you guys. And then, like I said, the Centurion Leadership Battalion, we're focusing on leadership and motivation uh, from the entrepreneur standpoint, as well as general in relationships and in our families and in our businesses. So we're going to cover both of those there. Lastly, um, the Food and Beverage Entrepreneur Summit, Right now, we still have it scheduled. Uh, That's June 3rd and 4th for anyone out there. Tickets are still um, available on Eventbrite. You want to get tickets. Uh, You want to go to Eventbrite. You want to register for your free tickets because if we don't do the event face-to-face because of the current coronavirus, we will be doing it and streaming it to anyone who has a ticket into your households through Facebook and YouTube. So that ticket still gets you the ability to see all the motivational speakers and the topics. We won't be able to do the collaborations live. However, we are still going to make this thing happen, even if we can't do it face-to-face. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to my spiel right there. A lot of information. But today I have with us Ashley Stewart from Atlanta, Georgia, who runs a blog called Foodie Cutie and Ashley the Foodie at WordPress. So that's A-S-H-L-E-E, Ashley, for anyone out there. And Stewart is S-T-E-W-A-R-T. And so Ashley the Foodie is A-S-H-L-E-E. The foodie spelled like foodie would be normally spelled F O O D I E. So, Ashley, how are you doing today? Hi there. I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty okay. It's a, a gloomy Monday here in Atlanta, but uh, otherwise, I, I, I'm feeling pretty decent today. How about you? How are you feeling? I'm doing good. I know what you were really thinking. She's like, oh my God, is this guy ever going to shut up so I can actually be interviewed? <laughs> 
You, you have to get it all out. You have to get your spill out. I understand, you know? It's I, part of the business. You I know. You gotta do. I know. I got to get it all out there before I forget because that'll happen Absolutely. also. So, <laughs> so, Ashley, you're a chef and a blogger. And so tell us about your background. I mean, how you took up interest in food and how you got to where you are today. So give us the okay. long spiel about your life and sort of how you ended up where you are. Well, you want to do something crazy. So I... I just knew I was going to be a doctor. I wanted to undergrad to study science. I was going to be this physical therapist and change the world. And I went to undergrad. I went to grad school. And that's how I ended up moving to Atlanta because I was going to come here and eventually be a chiropractor. And uh, in moving here, I I realized while I was in school that my genuine passion was to be creative and cook food for people and excuse me and I went to culinary school um and dropped out because I I couldn't pay for it out of my pocket but I I was lucky enough to um get under the wings of some great very very talented chefs and they taught me what I know today and I'm no expert and I'm always a forever student but I am thankful for things that I've learned the past seven to eight years working in kitchens and catering companies and just getting to the grid of like food and food science and, and just serving people. And, um, I, I genuinely love, uh, to cook and I love to share my love of food with people. And that's how I got into, um, I guess food blogging. Uh, I've been basically on, using my blog on Instagram for about maybe a little over a year and some change. Uh, and my actual uh, WordPress, actuallyfoodie.wordpress.com, that's been maybe for about less than a year. Um, so I've gotten into like food writing and just putting my thoughts down about things that I've been cooking and places that I've been, that I've food that I've enjoyed. Um, so those are my two platforms that I get a chance to just get creative and be my be myself and and just share my love of food with people you know so it's been a it's been really fun just to get to connect with people in Atlanta and Nashville and I've been into a couple of countries and had some good food and it's just been so much fun I'm looking forward to just doing so much more you know so yeah <laughs> that's my spiel kind of sort of I mean so it was a bold move right you really f- fell forward and you felt like if I was a doctor, I'm not really pursuing what I wanted to do. You had dreamt about doing it and wanted to go to med school or be a physical therapist and all of that. But when that transition happened, how did you process it? I mean, was it a a very snap decision or was it something that ate at you? And then you're like, I need to do this. This is where my passion is. It, It was, it was, more of the latter, I, I felt in my gut, like once the semester ended with um, Life University and it was time to kind of enroll back into classes, I said, you know, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to just jump right, jump right into culinary school. And when I started taking classes, I felt so at home. It, it just felt so it was natural. It felt right. I felt... Um, challenged and comfortable and excited about something um, for the first time in a long time. And I knew it was 
I knew then that was the right move for me. I I knew deep in my in my gut that like this is the right decision. I I did, and I haven't looked back ever since. You know, I, although like comparing our chefs is you know income and a doctor's income, they're nowhere near the same. But I feel much more rewarded being able to do something I I genuinely care about every day. You know. Yeah, I want to point this out because I okay. you brought up a point because I love what you just said. You talked about the income difference or variation, but let's yes. really talk about this because I think parents out there and people don't realize this. One is, and I'm going to make a few points here. One is everyone eats, whether it's in a restaurant or in a store or it's a Absolutely. packaged item. So compared to a doctor, there's way more customers in food than there are doctors. Does everyone go to a doctor? Yes, but not with the frequency in which we buy food. Okay. So that's, let's look at that. That's one. Number two is, is parents are always like, Oh, you know, we want our kids to have a stable job and we want them to do whatever. Okay. Again, let's go Mm -hmm. back to there's more food served every day than anything else. So by a person going to culinary school, they always have options throughout the world to be employed particularly in events like we're going through right now. Yes, doctors are employed. Yes, people in food are employed. Those are essential businesses that need to go on during a crisis, right? Yeah, But during the ups and downs in the economy, such as we saw a decade ago with the housing crisis, doctors, Mm -hmm. people going to the doctors went down, but food still stayed consistent for the most part because everyone had to eat. So these are the things we're talking about. So there's stability in it. Let's talk about the third thing. The third okay. thing in what you're doing, Ashley, and I want to dive more into it, is the entrepreneurial side and availability in food, whether it's a restaurant okay. owner, a marketplace owner, building a brand, you know, building food products or beverage products. There's much more opportunity for an entrepreneur to succeed and find a niche than in any other business. So sure. when everyone's like, oh, you know, I can't believe, why would you want to go to culinary school or what would you do or why do you care about food? It's really not a great as risk as everyone thinks it is. And there's a lot of people that can give you information and pass on things to you. And there's so much room for success being that oh everyone goodness, has yes. to eat. Absolutely. So, we, go ahead. It's always a thing. Food, food is going gonna, is gonna to always be around, you know. Well, let's hope so anyway. But, to my, you know, like it just feels like food will be a constant in our lives. You know, like you said, we all, we all have to eat. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you didn't cut me off at all. And I want to hear your point because my next question is really going to be, how did everyone react around you when you decided you weren't <laughs> going to be a doctor and you went to culinary school? <laughs> well, my my mother initially, she wasn't upset, but she was um, not in shock. I don't know what the, her, the, the right way for her reaction was. This is maybe more concerned as a parent. Like, you changed your major, you moved out here for one thing and you're doing something completely different. You know, I think it's more just as a parent, um, just being concerned about income and life trajectory and change and things of that nature. Um, but she's always been very supportive, which I'm thankful for. Um, even when things were a little hairy and I had to leave culinary school because I was paying for it in my pocket. Um, I was lucky enough to, to meet some great chefs that taught me things in, in certain restaurants. So, and you know, in this journey that's been so up and down, she's always been very supportive. She's never um, 
told me you're not going to do well. She's never told me anything like uh, anything derogative. She's, it's been very uplifting. She was just a little nervous at, fir- at first, of course, because I'm sure like any, any parent would be like, all right, you know, whatever. But she's been, you know, very solid in my culinary career. And I'm just thankful for her support. It's been more helpful than I could ever, like, you know, ever, ever express. Yeah, I think it's a cool thing. So, I mean, once you got out of culinary school, what, I mean, sort of what was your trajectory then? I mean, so you, you go back to school. Oh, well, let me make another point. You probably, okay. you know, most people that go to med school come out with an enormous amount of debt. So your debt sure. to income ratio is probably about the same of going to culinary school and coming out and making less money. I just want to make that known to everyone. That huge amount of debt that a lot of people come out with medical school, mm-hmm. that's there for a long time, many years, yes. and people end up refinancing and all of that. So, you know, I want to really focus on that it's not as simple as you have a great career and that's the way it goes, or you shouldn't exactly. be in food or a chef exactly. or whatever. And this perspective we sort of pass on to our kids, I'm always like, a lot of parents come to me, you know, well, you're an entrepreneur, but you know, that's not the most successful route to go. And that's unlikely. Well, not everyone's an entrepreneur. I agree. That's right. Mm-hmm. But I do agree that anyone who has the itch to be an entrepreneur can find a way to be an entrepreneur and succeed and provide for their family in the way I that agree. they need to. Is it going to be tough? Of course, every Absolutely. lifestyle is tough Absolutely. in every lifestyle. So I think that's really important based on what you said. So Again, tell us a little bit about that journey after culinary school and, and what it was like. So after culinary school, um, so during culinary school, I was working for um, a private childcare facility, and um, I've been there for maybe two years. And the chef that was there ended up having to leave for a family emergency. So it just kind of fell into my hands that I ended up being the chef for the for the childcare facility. And it was like my first real kind of hands-on, in-your-face cooking job. Uh, so I was doing culinary school during the afternoon and working at the daycare during the day. And when I got in there, I, I was a little intimidated, but I, eventually I got so comfortable to where I was, the parents were so thrilled that I had taken certain foods and manipulated them. I would puree carrots and put in a mac and cheese or I puree cauliflower and added in something that like potatoes or something that the kids just wouldn't, wouldn't recognize and, and would be excited about eating the vegetables. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even know. So it, it, a lot of parents that come up to me and say like, my child doesn't even eat at homes, but she eats her food here. So what are you doing? Like what's, what's happening here that I can do at home. And so I, it would be a thrill to just share that with the parents of my knowledge of like food and how to manipulate food and get your, your child to eat the vegetables without them even knowing that it was there. And that, that brought me so much joy, just knowing that in those last few years of working there, uh, I was making a difference. And it, it and it felt it felt good to know that I was just, it, it, it was almost like validation, you know, like you were in the right place. It's what you're supposed to be doing. And, um, so I did that for the for about two years and worked for a, a, a larger um, private school, much larger private school. We were fed about maybe 500 kids a day. And um, that was even more eye-opening because of I was introduced to severe food allergies and I had a bigger budget to be able to 
manipulate certain foods and buy certain foods and, and cook them in a degree that I've never tried before. And uh, I was there for a while and I got a job at a country club where the clientele is much different than children, <laughs> way different. And that's when I kind of grew into learning about the steaks and the, the prime ribs and the, the snapper, like just bigger meats and, and feeding crowds or at a, a, a different caliber. Um, and ever since that country club, I've been working for catering companies. And I, and I generally love catering more than I do love restaurant work, uh, just because catering is it feels a little more um, personable to me. Um, just being able to cater a party for, you know, with my job, cater a party for people that, you know, just want to celebrate someone in their life or just want to have, a, just want to be able to be around their friends and family and just eat good food and have a good time. So, so catering just feels, feels more fun. It's not super stuffy and it's, it's definitely way to me, way more work than a restaurant. Um, but I don't want to bash restaurant work because it's, it's, Restaurant work is another <laughs> another monster for sure. Um, but I do really enjoy um, the personable side of catering. I'm not stuck behind a wall pushing out orders. I can be able to see the on someone's face when they're enjoying something that I prepared or just talk about, you know, the food that we've created. And and it's just it's a lot of fun. So did I, did I ramble? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. And I want to talk about this because <laughs> what you just talked about is you're basically, okay, culinary school. You didn't get out of school and think you knew everything. You you sort of had these jobs that you've challenged yourself and then you've gone on to a new job that was sort of outside your comfort zone of your previous job and you had to yes. go out and learn more, you know, especially from private school to a country club to catering. Those are yeah. all very different industries in and of themselves when it comes to food so. you know mm -hmm. and anyone who's not in the food business and listen to the podcast there's a point here is that every way food is done whether it's food production for a grocery store whether it's fruit and vegetables for a grocery store as fresh produce whether it's for schools or high schools or colleges or hospitals or whatever cafeterias every single one of them catering is so different food trucks and they're all so different. That's when I was saying earlier, the opportunity to be an entrepreneur is so much so vast and the opportunity to make money is so yeah. vast because there's so many different ways in food to do that. And, Absolutely. and you know, as you, you went on this adventure, I mean, tell us a little bit about some of the most important things that you felt you learned from each of these different steps in your career. Um, I, you know, I think the biggest lesson I've learned, and I'm still learning, and I, and I consider myself a forever student when it comes to food. So I'm I'm always reading in some sort of food magazine or trying to stay semi-current with food culture, or I'm in my home just experimenting with different things or meeting chefs that I could that could teach me something. So I'm I'm, I'm always trying to just keep myself knowledgeable about my you know my my career and just wanting to know and, and be just that, that hunger for, for the curiosity for what's new and what's going on and what's current. Um, cause I, I'm not a know-it-all. I, I genuinely love to learn, um, about food. So I guess the biggest lesson that I, I really did learn and you're in food, so you know, time, timing is everything. It's, 
it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> and time has taught me, it's taught me so many lessons about patience and when to do things, when to put your hands on it, when to take your hands off and just let it, let, let the food do what it needs to do, not over manipulating the food. Um, when to pull out, when it's, it's so, so I think my biggest lesson has been time and that's related to my personal life. And sometimes I'm not the most patient person, but food has really taught me to be patient and to um, just slow down, take a step back and understand what I'm doing so that in the long run, you, the big picture is the food comes out perfectly or correctly, or you learn how to do it for the next time. So I think I will say it's definitely timing for me. It's And, and just like my career, it's just been a matter of time going from one degree of small baby steps to just catering parties for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So it's been a, um, a, a journey on just time and learning about how to take those steps and, and be patient and learn what I need to learn in order to be where I am right now and then move on in the future, you know? And I think that's the being humble enough to learn and know you don't know everything, like you said. So you are willing Absolutely. to learn and have those lessons, which is really cool. And then yes. the other part, how you tied it to food and timing, it's an interesting thing. Food's been around forever, right? We're always eating. Mm -hmm. So by definition, it's been around since there was mankind. Yes. But what actually is, is there, it's such a vast thing mm -hmm. that you, you have experience is the only way to learn it and, and reading and doing your research or going to get that experience is only the way to learn it. It's not something that you're going to get in a few years. You know, it's something Absolutely. that's going to take a lifetime of a skill. Yes. And it's very, to me, um, comparative to like anything in general, like especially life. And you said on a yes. personal life, like I understand that as a human being, I have life, but in that life, I need to grow until the day that I die. Like, absolutely. You know, so why not? Why not be the best human I can be? Why not learn as much as I can? Why not read as much as I can yes. in, in order to do that? And yes. it is food. And you're right. There is a lot of also trial and error. You know, sometimes I'm making a new cookie or, mm -hmm. okay, well, that didn't, I pulled it out of the oven too late or maybe I pulled it out too early. You know, yes. there's trial and error <laughs> and it's very representative of life. And, you know, people are also often like, oh, I burned the thing, the chicken. Oh, I should let my wife or husband do all the cooking. I suck at it. Well, no, yeah. this is just a, a small failure in learning. Because, a one-time thing. Yeah, exactly. And you have to go back at it. It's like I grew up on a horse farm also. It's like if the horse throws you oh, back wow. off, throws <laughs> you off, you got to get back on the horse, you know. That's and it. scary as it is, got to hop right back on it. Or one, the horse is going to know you can do that to you. And two, you're going to be afraid to ever get back on the horse. And there so you've got to conquer it right away. And I think food and, and a, an entrepreneur and food, as well as anyone who cooks in their home, like this is a way to practice that comfortability with the uncomfortable. You can get good at this skill. It takes Very time so. though, you know, it. and it takes practice and it takes the and willingness think, to learn. Go absolutely. ahead. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I, I think sometimes people can get, um, a little intimidated by food because I, I, you know, I can understand why because it's something, it's something, something burns and it comes out the wrong way or the air quote, not the right way. It's fearful. Then it's, it's something you're not good at. And because sometimes when I do things, I'm not good at, I, I'm, 
I'm not always willing to jump back into it, but I, that's just me. I, I want to still learn it. So whatever it is, whether it's food or, or crocheting or, I don't know, ice skating, whatever. If I'm, I'm not the best at something, I'm going to keep trying until I at least say I can try it more than one time, you know? So I feel like sometimes when I, when I do cooking videos at home, I try to show, even if I do something and it doesn't come out the way I want it to, I, I try to show like, I'm still human, you know, I'm still, I'm still allowed to make mistakes, even though I have this, I guess, platform to showcase what I'm doing. I'm still allowed to make a mistake. I'm going to come back and do it again and show you like, okay, so this is how I did it wrong the first time. I'll come back maybe a couple months later. Like, remember that video I did? All right, here's the right way to do it now. You know, it's just a matter of just getting back on the horse, like you said, and just trying it again. Yeah. And I love this because then I'll be a little bit vulnerable with everyone. Like, Mm-hmm. My house always had chess in it. I never learned to play chess. I don't know what it was intimidating or I thought there was too much moves. And you think I have the complication of being an entrepreneur and forming a lot of businesses and doing a lot of different things and having a lot of, you know, lessons that I've learned through through n- negative reactions to stuff or what we'll call failures and all that. But I've refused to like I just didn't do it. I was intimidated by it, just like yeah. someone probably is by food who's not in the food mm-hmm. business. And so during this quote unquote self quarantining period, um, yes. you know, my stepdaughter Zoe's boyfriend, John has brought a chessboard into the house. So he's taught me how to play. And so, you know, awesome. I played three games, right? I'm, I'm obviously Oh, and three, like there's no, like everyone else in the house knows how to play chess. Every time I play someone, I'm going to get my butt kicked. But by the second time I was playing, I was getting a little frustrated. I'm like, you know, Deborah, my fiance, she's like kicks my butt, and you know, you know, John kicks my butt, and you know, my stepdaughter kicks my butt, and it's like okay, <laughs> you know, but I'm getting slightly better in understanding the rules. But I don't, I want to win, and yes. I want to be victorious, which yes. drives me to learn more and play more. But, Absolutely. But I'm not. I like for me to think I'm going to win a game right now. Yes, I want to, but I'm just beginning to learn it. And so, like, I know that I have a long way to go to learn the game, and I have to practice it before I actually become good at it. So Correct. Absolutely. And so the same is with cooking um, yes. or, you know, food or, or whatever. Not all of us have had the opportunity to learn, but we should. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a pretty cool skill, and it's something to do with your family on a regular basis. And get your kids involved in doing it and bring them in. They may not want to do it, but they should know how food's made. This is a, you know, one of those life skills we've sort of taken out of the education systems at a young age and for Mm -hmm. the wrong reasons. And we should educate our families and stuff on it, even as a basic skill. Absolutely. You know, and then that way they have the option later in life, if they do ever want to go into food to having a leg up. So I think that's pretty cool as well. I do too. I remember being in high school and, and taking home ec and, and really enjoying the class. And once I got into college and realized that the class was no longer available to students after me, I just, I never understood why this wasn't, why, why take it away. It's a, we learned to sew, we learned to cook, we learned to just, uh, like child rearing, like little things like that about taking little baby home and little things like that. But it, it's a, a great fundamental class to, just teach semi-essential life skills, you know? And even now, like, when you're home with your kids during the quarantine, I'm sure you're, you have opportunities to be able to teach them even more things now that you have, you know, that you're there with them yeah, exactly. a good bit of time. Exactly. Yeah. 
And I think it's, it's just cool. so important. So let's talk about why deciding to get, do a blog. I mean, that's why we're all here. Um, you know, you, <laughs> we've reached out and talked over Instagram on direct messages with Foodie Cutie. So everyone follow <laughs> Foodie Cutie on, um, on Instagram. Tell us what you, how you decided to make that leap because that's taking, okay, now my food's out there. And I always think it's the reason chefs become celebrity chefs because you're already so exposed anyway with your food and vulnerable, whether yeah. people like it or dislike it. It's right. easier <laughs> to put yourself out there and be judged on, on the more popular side or, or talking because you're already being judged about your food. What's the difference if you're judged about your words, right? Very much so. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's another thing about point number five of being a culinary person is you learn to deal with people's criticisms and stuff in a different way because food, not everyone's going to like it no matter how no. good it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so you really deal with it a lot more feedback, we'll call criticism, yes. uh, likes and dislikes, people's opinions yes. than you do in any other business. And it's much more direct. Um, it I is very in your face. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and I want, I'm going to, I'm going to revert back before I ask about the food blog again, but how do you, okay. how have you, I mean, you've had to learn it throughout your career. How have you dealt with sort of that feedback and what I'll call criticism and likes and dislikes around your food? Um, I think working in with so many chefs in different kitchens, you, I've had to develop this, this, uh, I want to say thick skin because I don't have super thick skin, but I've just le- had to learn to say yes, chef, and learn the project and move on and not get too, too far deep into my feelings where I can't execute what I need to execute because I'm so upset about something or because my sauce didn't taste right or he didn't like the amount of salt in it or she didn't like the amount of pepper in it. So it, it's a matter of just, I guess, learning from learning to, uh, I guess swallow your pride sometimes in working in kitchens and your executive chef is, is kind of hovering over you or wanting something to come out right. And it doesn't always come out right. Or he's trying to teach you something and it's maybe not in the, I guess, nicest tone as, as you would want it to be. So I guess I've just kind of learned to um, take those, those criticisms and, and, apply it to my blog, I guess. So sometimes if I put something out and people are like, oh, I went to this restaurant and uh, what I ordered wasn't very good and you said it was going to be good or I tried this recipe and it was so-so. And and I I kind of have to understand, like, everybody isn't going to like what I like. And take it with a grain of salt. I, I don't get upset about it. I don't lash out. I'll just maybe suggest another recipe or just say, like, maybe, you know, I'm glad you at least tried it. And that's it. So at least you're open enough to have my suggestion, but this, I don't. I don't really necessarily see um, the the point in getting my feathers ruffled up about somebody not liking something that I thought was good. You know, it's at the end of the day, my blog is my opinion. It's what I what I like to eat, what I find delicious. And if you try it, like, oh, thank you for trying it. You know, at least you were open enough to saying. Oh, I never had boba tea. I'm going to go try some because you posted on your Instagram. You know, that's what it's all about. Just exposure to do something that you've never tried before. And if you don't like it, it's okay. But if you do, like, even better, you know? Well, and I, it's so true. It's um, it's interesting because people, you know, or there's this image that chefs have these giant egos. 
Yeah. But it's um <laughs> it's an interesting thing. It's it in the impression of an ego and I get it, okay? But there's also this confidence that's built yes. with chefs that people have to understand is that they've been um or you've been through so much criticism and and yes. knowledge and instant feedback that mm-hmm. you've learned a lot. You know, the, yes. the, the ability Absolutely. to learn through feedback is greater at being a chef than in any other position. Like there's no doubt in my mind that the amount of a feedback and criticism and stuff in tweaks and pivoting a chef has to do on a Very daily basis so. is more than any other profession. Okay. It's, <laughs> and so with that comes a confidence that often can be misunderstood as an ego. Very, yes, I agree. Because they've they've tweaked their skill at such a rapid rate that it is that confidence is there because of how much you've had to learn. You know, I would say it could be premature if it came out right in the beginning of your career, but as you learn, there is a confidence there. Very much so. And and I and I respect that from chefs that have been in the game much longer than me, only because they've been there. They've and they've been through the criticism, they've had the trial and error, they've, you know, been under the gauntlet. And I I respect that, you know, I, I, I do. But I can totally see where people, like, I've heard like, oh, chefs have big egos and this and that. And, and, and I've met a few that have, but, it, but it, it ultimately it comes with the amount of having to, the amount of turnover time to have to suck it up and learn it and just move on. It's, there's no comparison. But to me, there's no comparison, you know. Yeah. And people watch yeah. the cooking shows and the chefs go head to head and all that. And that's one thing. But you also see things like Gordon Ramsay where he goes into a restaurant and, and sort of flips it around and helps it be successful. That's because he's failed himself. He knows Absolutely. what it's like to have those failures and to have to keep the restaurant going and then to go there. Yes. He's just at a point where he's done it so much. Now he has an empire of food, restaurants right. and food things and TV shows. Right. So. But he had to go and have those failures and those lessons and those criticisms to get to where he is. And, you know, you know, there's a little bit of the TV persona that that's built up to give it for dramatic effect for television. But somewhere in somewhere in between is really where he is. But there is Mm -hmm. that passion. There is that knowledge because it's come from where he's been. And that's the same thing that you're talking about is I'm wrecking recommending food. Uh, on a blog because that's the that's what my opinion is and that's what my experiences show so of course for you Ashley it's not going to be everyone's not going to agree with you it's that's nearly impossible I mean that's the other thing about the food world is you really learn that you know you're lucky if you get 10% of the population ever agreeing with what you say let alone (laughs) cook right so You know, it's like you really get that understanding and that foundation when it comes to being a chef and being in the food world. Yes, very much so. So tell us about the blog um, more in detail and why do you start, why do you decide to start to do it and sort of how that idea came along? Um, I, I think, I think I said, like, maybe I've been a dentist for maybe like a year and some change, maybe, maybe almost two years. Um, and I figured since I was already working in kitchens and I I had the opportunity to, to have food right in front of me, why not showcase, you know, what I'm doing and let people see that 
um, food isn't just one, you know, just one dimension. Here's what, what happens in the catering world. So I will, you know, sometimes when I do a catering, I'll show behind the scenes or what I'm, or what's happening or, or, um, how we're building plates and things of that nature. So to come back to what you to said, um, I, I figured if, if I was already in the kitchen, there's food already accessible to me and I had a chance to step away from, you know, my regular work thing and just do my own thing for a few minutes, why not showcase what I can do? Why not share, you know, what I'm learning and my knowledge of food and um, share that with people? And somehow it just ended up being me, me going around to different restaurants um, and talking about my food and doing videos about my food and end up being me coming home and making food videos or me just showing what I've cooked and talking about how I've made it. And I do the occasional recipe, but I'm terrible at recipes, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible at writing recipes down. But um, it just kind of evolved into wanting to share my love of food with people and how much fun I'm having with food. Um, and it ultimately led me to where I am right now. And I'm still, like I said, I'm still learning and growing. And ultimately I do want to travel and food blog full time. And that would be phenomenal for me. Um, but I, I know that those things take time and I'm just doing the, the work that it takes right now to ultimately let this be my full time, um, my full-time sort of income for the moment. I'm just, I'm just learning what I need to learn about blogging. Um, I'm not the best writer, but I am learning how to write about food and expressing myself, um, with pen and paper and not just a picture. You know, so I want to just post a picture and then walk away and, and not leave you and leave you with, with nothing to say, to think about it. Um, so now I've just gotten into, um, writing down, um, and doing videos about what I'm cooking, where I am, where I'm going. And I've been thankful enough to travel to Thailand and to Costa Rica. And, and um, I had a trip planned before all this happened too, but you know, it'll come, it'll come later. I'm, I'm still hopeful, but I, ultimately I do want to be able to uh, travel and share food and, and food culture with people around me. Cause it's, it's, it's generally a, re a really fun time. And, I think that um, my excitement for what I'm doing shows, um, and I think people gravitate to that. And I'm not—I don't want to sound arrogant or cocky. I think it's just it, when, you, when you love what you do, it's 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 gonna it's gonna show, you know. And I generally love what I do, and that's kind of like where I am, where I am right now. Did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I want to point something out this too humility okay. okay one of the things okay. that's happening okay so ashley has um for lack of a better term some shortcomings when it comes to some things okay but she's <laughs> also got these things she's learned right and you've had the humility to admit it so what is the blog forcing you to do it's forcing you to grow right you're growing Absolutely. forward you you know you're like oh i don't i'm not great at writing down recipes but when you blog and you write things down or you share your recipes you have to write them down and get them right. So that's yes. something you're having to force yourself to do. The other part is the writing part. And yeah. <laughs> this is a lot of people. We don't, you know, we don't spend a lot of time writing in the traditional way anymore or learning the proper mm -hmm. ways to write or deliver a message or copying writing something so people understand it. So 
yes. you're also having to spend time doing that. So you're yes. not only are you learning different cuisines and you have a career that you've built learning different ways and in different industries within food, you're learning different yes. cuisines from all around the world and, and ethnic um, way people cook and, and things like that. Costa Rica, Thailand, those are different, you know, ethnicities that cook food in different ways through different styles through different um tools through all that so you know that's what kind of happens and when people talk about ethnic food it's every type of food has a different ethnicity you know and then when you fuse them you know the term fusion is usually two ethnicities coming together through food and that's really cool concept right and sometimes it happens accidentally based on upbringing sometimes it happens because we do it on purpose you know, Cajun yes. food is a and is example of that. There's a lot of French influence on Cajun food and yes. stuff like that. So this is what I'm talking about. But what you're doing is you're sort of fusing your your skills together. The 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 chef, the writing, and in the writing the recipes and all that. And I think it's very true in what you're saying is that a lot of chefs are very creative minded. So writing down a recipe exactly how it goes is not always the thing to do. I know, (laughs) I know in my own business trying to get the chefs to one, stick with a recipe and two, actually write it down. It's always a process, right? So it is, but it's because they're so creative. You know, you want a creative chef because they do amazing things with food, but because someone's creative and managing them, you've got to understand they aren't very, they don't deal well with structure. And so, Oh my goodness, you're right. (laughs) So, you know, that's the thing is how do you manage that as an entrepreneur or a chef or a restaurant owner, you know? Yeah. And a lot of restaurant owners, you know, and, and a lot of the, um, mentoring that I've done or in, we used to build and design restaurants as one of our <clears throat> subsidiaries is, um, is getting the rest, a person that was once a head chef or a really great culinary expert to go into mm-hmm. a restaurant and going from a creative side into a structural side or a, a hybrid of both. Cause you still need creativity for marketing and advertising and developing food, but then you Absolutely. need structure for payroll employees you know, things like that, doors opening, signage. And so it's like trying to get there. And even with you right now, you're you're branching out in the blogging and you're starting to have to hybrid yourself with structure and the creativity. Yes. yes. And and I will have to give some credit to, I, I recently started baking um, at my catering job. <clears throat> and so, you know, with baking, it's, it's a little more disciplined than entree cooking um, and definitely a little more structured because it's, it, it's very detailed. So um, with, with baking these past few months and even at home now uh, for my blog, sometimes it's taught me uh, to be structured and to uh, pay attention to detail. And, um, and, and like you said, I'm not, I'm not the, like some chef, most chefs aren't the most creatives, aren't the most structured people. But even now in this downtime, I have no choice but to get structured and sit down and write out a blog post when I can just post a picture on Instagram called a day. But I'd rather, you know, create these um, disciplines for myself and, and write something down and I guess rechannel what I'm doing so I can be able to, I guess, create a big blog post, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, Ashley, I mean, what are your hopes for this? I mean, where do you, I mean, obviously goals change and we pivot throughout our lives, but right now where you're sitting, you know, what is your hope for the blog? I mean, where do you want it to go? How do you envision it? Um, honestly, my, my deep down genuine passion is to be able to travel the world, um, domestic and international and, um, travel to different restaurants or little hole in the walls or little hidden gems in different countries or, you know, here in the, U- in, in the U S and just share my food and cultural travels with people and come back and create those same dishes or put my spin on those same dishes and, and just share, just share that love of culture and traveling with people. So ultimately I do want to be able to be a traveling food blogger and I'm just taking little steps now to do it. But in the long, like long term, my, my genuinely soul passion is to be able to travel and blog and blog about, like create videos and blog posts about food, food culture, what I'm learning, how to manipulate it, what other cultures are doing, how other people live. Um, and that would be, you know, that would, it's making me happy now, but I know if, if, if it were be my full time bread and butter, I, I would be over the moon. You know, I really genuinely would be over the moon. Well, and I love that you said you're taking small steps because it's important, like as an entrepreneur at, or anything that you want to be good at or any direction you want to go, it's about doing all the small things right. It's never this large thing that you need to do right and it appears suddenly, you know. We've right. talked about it before. Life is more like a hockey stick. You you do a lot of little, little, little things over a long period of time and then all of a sudden things happen, you know. So yes. that's sort of what you're doing now and you've done a lot of little, little things and now you've gotten into blogging and you're adding another skill and it's a lot of little things there to to get you where you are. So I think that that, that is important to understand that it's the everyday little things that lead to the big things later on once they yes. compile up and build an awesome foundation. That's one. And number two, what I want to talk about is, you know, other than we're all being quarantined right now and travel is a little hard, as you said, and your trip was canceled yeah, or you had to postpone it. The thing that's so cool in the world that we live in, you know, you have information technology, what gives everything at your fingertips, but still in order to truly experience food, it's not something you can experience on TV. You have to go taste it. You have to go Absolutely. live it in those cultures and we can bring food here into the United States and cook it as similar as we can to those areas of the world. But the reality is you truly don't experience the culture and the culture of the food and the culture of, of where you are of that country or, or that yes. region until yeah. you actually go there. So right sharing there. that with everyone is such a cool thing because it gives people a destination. And yes. it is the way the world's going. You know, before the coronavirus, we were traveling the world more than ever as human beings. We're starting to expand that and get more understanding of all the different areas of the world. And my stepdaughter, Maddie, mm-hmm. just traveled South America for three months because she graduated a semester early from college. Wow. 
And we took her to Brazil for three weeks, which seemed like a long time to be gone. But she continued on for another two and a half months. That is so exciting. But one of the things is no matter which country she was in, each region mm-hmm. within those countries had different cuisines and different tastes and different crops yes. and different things that they grew. You know, in the United States, we're very industrialized in our food stream. You know, so think about this. You know, I bet if you ask someone, they would think there's maybe two types of sweet potatoes, maybe three or four <laughs> types of potatoes. But she went yes. to a region that had thousands of different types of potatoes. And wow. They had a region that you could eat a different piece of fruit every day for 365 days, you know, well, every day of the, if you wanted to. So, yeah. You know, we don't so really understand. how would that be to be able to share that with people? That would be so, I mean, just so exciting. That's just getting that experience. It's so, so exciting. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I know. And so that's the thing, right? And her and her roommate, who also graduated a semester early, traveled the world and they blog, they did it on Instagram and stuff like that. But, you know, we didn't realize how into it it would be and, and how fun it would be. And, and there is a lot more there. And someone, what you're doing, Ashley, is if you tie it, the adventure to the food, because there's so many people that want to travel. I, you know, I'm not much of a museum person. I like history, but I'm not like the yes. person that wants to be inside. You know, I'm the person that <laughs> Deborah and I travel a lot all over the world. And because mm-hmm. it's what we like to do, but we eat our way through cities. We just go on adventures <laughs> and we eat our way through cities, you know. <laughs> That's you how know, you do it. Yeah. We, and, and, and we may have seven meals a day, but we split the meals, you know, at different places. So, Absolutely. You know. It's like a friendship to me. When I went to Thailand, we, my best friend and I, we ate for literally six days straight. And it was perfect. We just, we ate. And that's what I went to do, to, to eat and take pictures and share what I was doing. So I commend you for doing that. I, I understand. I get it. <laughs> well, and it's the adventure for us, right? The restaurants, yes. the different cuisines, the, you know, you travel the cities, you get to see the architecture and the museums you want to go through because you're sort of destining your way around neighborhoods to find food. You know, what's, you yes. know, there's the tourist ones, but then there's the local ones. And what does that look like? And then you cre- creep out into the neighborhoods or into the countrysides to find different options and what, what are the different foods they eat here. So it becomes this big adventure you know and how people eat and it's just kind of cool thing to do and very cool so i think what you're doing is really there's a lot of people out there that are like they don't you know they think that traveling is about history or traveling is about the region you know well yes but when you go and you travel for tasting food you get a lot of history around that food in that region also, and we don't realize how much history, you know, whether it's war or whatever, has to do with food. With food, very much so. Yeah. It's just you learn about the culture and how they live and what, yeah. what they, what, what's their breakfast. Because their breakfast could be something, not the same thing as our breakfast. You know, it's it's very cool to just learn. Yeah. Go ahead. I could go on with this. No, no, days. go ahead. Go ahead. I want to <laughs> hear. I, I like where this is going. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just exciting to be able to... Um, be out of my comfort zone and learn how someone else lives and how what they eat for breakfast could be could be rice and beans compared to our very heavy biscuits and pancakes and waffle breakfast. Something as simple as beans and rice and some hot herbal tea is another culture's breakfast compared to what we're eating. So just learning about what's completely different somewhere else compared to where I am in my normal daily routine 
and getting the chance to submerge myself into that, into someone else's culture and appreciate it for what it is. Um, and diving into the history of their food or, or, uh, their crops or vegetables or, or just things of that nature and what someone's grandmother taught them and what was passed down, um, throughout their family. It's, it's just a rich cultural experience that I just really want to dive so deeply into. And I want to be able to appreciate whatever country I travel to or whatever city I go to in, in the U S and, and, and be able to appreciate, you know, where I am and show gratitude for the history of, 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 a meal or just being able to share a meal with someone. The people, I think sometimes um, what I love most about food, honestly, is um, how it brings us together. Um, it's just, there's moments of just togetherness and uh, being able to love on someone by making them a meal or saying it, it could, it could, for me, food is my love language. So if I took you something, it's just, I care about you. I, I, I love you. This is my, how I say you're important to me. So being able to, um, excuse me, um, be able to travel and understand food on a whole other level is it, it would just enhance my life in a, in a way that I can't even express, you know? No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I think what's so what's even it's so important in that we we food is is like when we go around and we travel around the world, we get an understanding of people in the different cultures and appreciation of what else is out there. And I don't want to say the word tolerance because that's not the right word. But what yes. I'm saying is, is we become much more understanding of different cultures, of different yes. people, of we all eat, right? We all have to eat. It's, it, it's the great equalizer. Everyone needs to survive and they need food and water, right? So let's That's just it. talk about that. But within that, in the adventure and the way we survive and, and then we enjoy food and the way it brings us together to your point and the, the memories, the friendships, the love, the getting to meet new people. Deborah and I meet more people when we go on trips at restaurants and, and places we eat and talk to people than anywhere else. That's wow. You're not going to meet them at a museum. You're going to meet them when we meet restaurant owners. We meet, <laughs> you know, different people, bar owners and, and, you know, different product people. And, you know, sometimes we're in an airport and we're like, oh, my God, that product looks good. We should get them on the podcast and, you know, that's a way we find people or reach out to people because there is so much out there in terms of what we can do in terms of learning about food. And that's where everyone's the same, right? If you look at food and you look at going around the world, yes, everyone does it differently, but ultimately mm -hmm. we're all the same. We all have our habits. We all have our different preferences. We all have different ways we were raised or different things we believe. But at the end yes. of the day, we all, no matter where you are in the world, no matter, you know, black, white, yellow, red, green, purple, everyone gets around food right like there we all get around our family in love around food so yes. you can tell me everyone is there's a preference but i gotta tell you we're more alike than we are different when Very it comes so. to that and so you know i didn't want to get on this tangent but it's something the reason i love traveling it's why deborah and i are trying to are trying to take our stepdaughters around the world as much as possible we are in thailand 
last Christmas. This Christmas, oh, wow. we were in Brazil, and then Maddie kept traveling. The Christmas before that, we were in Europe. We're trying to get them exposed to as many different cultures as possible, and Absolutely. we all love food. So it makes sense to make food the center point, right? <laughs> But Absolutely. part of that is this understanding that we're all the same, that at the end of the yes. day, we all love our families. We all love being around people and food is the vehicle by which we do it. Oh, it's a, it's, and it's a great vehicle too. It's a, it's just, it's a very powerful tool just to be able to unite us. You know, we all got to eat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's no, for real. So, Ashley, as we start to wrap things up on the podcast, I want to sort of give you time to talk about anything that you would love to share with the audience or any food entrepreneurs out there, or maybe even anyone who's considering getting into the culinary field and going to culinary school. Okay. Um, I, I, I occasionally get a couple questions about how I got started blogging or what was my motivation for doing it um, on Instagram. And it, it, it just didn't come out. Of, I mean, it, it kind of just fell into my lap. I was like, I should just do this. And I just did it. So I didn't want to drag my feet any longer. I decided to just get out there. And I met a great group of food bloggers here in the city. And we get together sometimes and we just kind of form this community and we love on each other. And it's been a great way for me to get exposed to uh, different food in Georgia because Atlanta is huge, but like the, there's Georgia's, you know, it's pretty big. So I, I can find little nooks and gems outside the city, inside the city. And this just giving me a chance to be exposed to a lot more people and a lot more foods than, I, than what I'm just used to. Um, so it's, um, I'm thankful for this platform that I have. And I'm thankful that I'm I'm steady learning and growing from it. And uh, I just want to continue to um, learn and grow and meet good people like yourself. And, you know, if the social media is a powerful tool. You never know, you know, who you're going to stumble across or um, the inspiration you may get from someone's podcast or someone's um food blog. So I just wanted to encourage people to just be open to learning something new. And um, if you're starting out with just, you know, an idea, just dive into it and, and see where it takes you. Or, or just if there's a passion in your belly to start a blog, start a podcast, you know, write a food blog or take pictures of food that you just love to, you know, see that are captivating to you, just do it, you know, and, and, and just get into your passion and um, see it through. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. I, I, there's times when I have those moments and I have to reel it back in and just be thankful for where I am right now and and hopeful for the future. And I'm just really excited to be able to um, grow up from here, you know, and just learn and grow. And, um, yeah. And anybody that's interested in going to culinary school or even just jumping into the culinary field and just getting their hands, getting their feet dirty in the kitchen, their hands dirty in the kitchen, um, do it. It's the great, the almost the greatest. So I'm very hands on. So I feel like my, my greatest teacher is just getting in there and and jumping right into it. So I encourage you, if you want to learn how to cook, just YouTube's a great teacher. I, li I like YouTube. I'm not saying it's the same thing as getting to a kitchen, but it's a start. So if you want to learn how to cook, get in that kitchen, turn the stove on, 
turn your phone on, turn your laptop on, and just try it out. Have a good time, laugh at yourself, and just go from there and have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, and before we sort of sign off, Ashley, I want to make sure you, if anyone wants to reach out to you, um, where oh, they yes. can find your blogs online, tell us about how they can get a hold of you and, and where they can find you. Okay. So my Instagram uh, is at foodie cutie f-o-o-d-i-e c-u-t-i-e and if you want to read my blog post which i wish you would um it is ashley a-s-h-l-e-e the foodie dot wordpress dot com and i'm usually sharing content uh on either platform i'm getting more into food writing now that i'm having to sit down and write about food now um but usually I'm I'm more on Instagram than I am anywhere anywhere else. And um yeah, you can reach me there. You can send me an email or just want to chat or DM and talk about food. I could do this all day long. So yeah, hit me up. I'll be around. <laughs> well, and I'm hoping Ashley, if we do the the food some food the food and beverage entrepreneur summit yes. that you'll be there to write blogs about this stuff that goes on. I think that would be really cool and meet a lot of people Fantastic. there. That would be awesome. So I think that's a pretty cool thing. You know, everyone's like, you know, the press, but I think it's so cool in the food world. We have so many bloggers to be able to tell the story that way instead, because that is the way the world's going. You know, the news and the information are going to come from the people, not necessarily the news and the beverage outlets. And I mean, news and uh, channel outlets, they're going to come from the food and beverage entrepreneurs themselves. So my brain got a little ahead of my mouth there. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Can I, I I do want to ask you what, what, um, what brought about the summit for you? What made you want to do something like this? Um, and, and where did it come from? Where's your inspiration come from to, to do the summit? I'm so curious because it's, it seems like the coolest thing ever. Like, so, so cool. So I'll be, I'm a long winded person. Anyone who knows me knows it's hard for me to shut up, which is kind of funny because I'm a pretty shy person. Um, I'm very introverted, but um, you get me talking and then it's like you open the can and I can't be quiet. So it's um, one of the things is, is my pro- my dad moved into food side of the world when I was about four years old and okay. my family ever since has always been in food. Um, particularly in the entrepreneurial space. And my mom ran a horse farm, so there's the entrepreneurial thing. But why I wanted to start the podcast is I felt like podcasting is a great avenue right now, yet I couldn't find any real information on food and beverage entrepreneurism and where people could go to really learn. There's a lot on entrepreneurs. There's a lot on business. There's a lot on marketing and social media, but they, they weren't really tied together in that I felt in the real experience. Yes, there's a lot of successful people out there that interview about their successful food business. So I was like, okay. But there wasn't the story of what it's really like to me. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this out because there's a part of me that on this podcast, and, and I believe anyone should be given a chance to do whatever you want. But I got to tell you, there are a lot of food and beverage consultants out there or people that go out and do this business or people I work with or co-pack with or have consulted for or mentored for that have gotten involved in the wrong relationships. Because 
if you've never been a culinary person or you've never been in the food business or the beverage business or actually run your own business or even on the side of social media and stuff like that or learned it yourself, like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be giving other people advice and you shouldn't be charging for it. Like that's one of the <laughs> things that's one of the things that I find absolutely because food is such a vast category. There's people that come out of college and be like, Oh, I'm going to be a food service consultant. What? Like you never even ran your own business. How are you going to tell mm-hmm. someone else how to run theirs? You have no experience in the minor minute things that go up and down. So one of the things I wanted to do was like, I can't possibly mentor all the people that come to me for advice or all the people that want co-packing from us, I can't mentor them or give them the leadership that they need. So why don't I just tell the story so they know there's a group of people out there like them and they can listen to a podcast and learn while I'm learning also. Cause I don't know anything either. You know, I'm like a 2% <laughs> maybe if I'm lucky of all the knowledge of food there is. And I've been doing this for my whole life, you know? So yes. from running fruits, fruit, and vegetable stands from when I was a kid and, and farming equipment and all that. I've always been involved in the food and learning it, but I don't know anything really like let's in, in trends changing. (laughs) Like the only way you can learn is wanting to do it. So, you know, the podcast I give it, I want it for free, you know, one, because I want everyone to have the freedom to learn. And, and for me, it's a give back for a blessed life that I've had in food and beverage. I feel like I owe it to the world to give back for the blessings that I've had, you know, that's all of that. But once I started doing it, like this idea started formulating and people asking me about, you know, a group or a society of food and beverage entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and how do we do that? But first I had to figure out how to get everybody together. Sure. And so I've been playing around with ideas and I think there's all these leadership and motivations that need to take place. So it wasn't just an idea, you know, and that's where I think most entrepreneurs, it's been a work in progress. Yes. And the thing that's really occurred to me that we don't do enough in food and beverage, I don't care whether you're, you know, a restaurant association or whatever, we've created these very siloed associations and societies within the food world, like a culinary association or, you know, restaurant association or a catering association And because of that silo, we've knocked down the ability to be creative across the food industry. Mm -hmm. And and it makes it harder for people to learn and grow. And we don't educate it very well beyond the culinary side. We don't really get into the food and beverage space. I know St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia has a food marketing program. Okay, that's pretty cool, right? We're focusing on it. But we really don't look at the largest industry in the world and train for it. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, how do I Mm -hmm. get people together and collaborate with one another and learn from one another on a larger scale without it being like, okay, yes, do I have a message and do I have a lot of knowledge and leadership knowledge in the food game? Absolutely. And I can direct people in a direction or I can have people come in that motivate people in a direction. But ultimately the summit was about how do I bring people together have them learn on a greater level, but then collaborate with each other to be creative in their life or use each other's resources or connections and promote each other. Because 
everyone thinks everyone's competitive in the food space. But like I just said, I could give you my business plan and you're not going to ever do it the way I do. You could have my exact plan for how I run my business. You're never going to do it the way I do it. So there's not in the food world. It's not really a narrow enough industry where competition really exists that much, you know? And if you want an example, Papa John's Domino's Papa Murphy's Mm -hmm. pizza Mm -hmm. hut, you know, you know, to name just a few, any local pizza parlor that you guys have, like competition, like there's enough room in food for a lot of people. Absolutely. So there's enough room for us to do what we need to do and grow and learn and thrive. Yeah. And so all the food entrepreneurs that are out there and beverage entrepreneurs, I'm trying to bring you guys all together. And if you're willing to, this summit's a leg up because it's going to force hard conversations. It's going to force collaborations. It's going to force you to see that all of you are in the food space and you're trying to always grow and make yourself better. So one was, how do I provide an environment for everyone to learn? Two is Mm -hmm. how do I get everyone to collaborate beyond just listening to a podcast? And then three was how do I get enough like-minded people together where the exponential growth is more than just two times or three times? What if it's a 10 X, you know, if I bring enough people together, they collaborate, they're learning through each other at a rapid rate and collaborating at a rapid rate and creatively looking at problems at a rapid rate, how do I make their business grow 10x? So by that, I mean, like, how do we brand accelerate? How do we get these people accelerating their businesses? Why? Because I care about the food game and I care about the people who have been in it. I know how hard it is. And I didn't have those tools that took me sometimes 15 years to learn something that someone could actually learn in two to three years or 18 months. Absolutely. And now have the connections and the ability to do so. So I'm sorry I'm going to be long-winded, but my brain is very complicated and I have, I'm a great (laughs) visionary. You know, Deborah is my business partner in life and in business, and I have a Mm -hmm. lot of other business partners, but I can visualize things and and know the direction to go and lead the people down the road. Deborah is sort of the more structural person that keeps the pieces in check, right? And and make sure I go back and look at things if I've skipped over them and ask questions and all that. That's what makes us a good team. So... That being said, (laughs) I know once the summit goes, one, we can do summits all over the country eventually or even the world, right? And so that's one. And so it's meeting the right people. It's forming relationships with the right people. It's getting the right people involved so they grow and they can eventually be speakers in the summit in the food world because they're learning through their own businesses, right? And they can help people. And then on an even larger scale is how do we eventually create, I, I don't want to call it a society or a group or whatever, but eventually where we're all together as a group and we can learn from one another. That's where things start costing money, right? I can give a summit away for free. I have the resources to do that, but I don't have the resources to do it on a larger scale. So eventually there'll have to be some members having to pay money to something sure. to build this yeah. society to keep things running, a website, you know, online video calls, you know, we live in that world where we can actually do a weekly call with a group of people and, and they learn. But what I don't want, and I don't like is in the food world right now, there's a lot of quote unquote experts when there's actually no such thing, you know, we have to learn from each other and anyone out there who's a consultant or whatever, I'm sorry. And I know you guys listen to the podcast. There's a lot of people (laughs) with information 
But if you only have one person, it's not enough in food. It, it, one mentor, two mentors, yep. three mentors, not enough. You need to have enough. a group of people that you're held accountable for. Very much so. And it's less of a mentorship as it's a group of accountability. Yes. Yep. And so that's just, where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's Take it to my heart right now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I see it. So how do we grow? It, you know, that's the step. So I just told you the long-term vision and, you know, anyone who wants to steal the idea, please go ahead and steal it. I'm still going to do it. So you're not going to deter should. me. As you should. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, but that's the thing is I wanted to get rid of some of the people turn to try to learn to experts or quote unquote experts or Instagram experts and all of that. And it was causing a lot of things, you know? So I'll take 1% or a fraction of a percent of people that are actually willing to learn in the right way to listen to the podcast versus me telling everyone what they want to hear. Like yes. every other quote unquote expert does and then see people yes. fail. Like that's wrong yes. to me. There's a morality and ethical thing that I have a huge issue with that goes on on Instagram and Facebook and sort of the quote unquote experts in the food world that have never actually lived it. And they've caused a lot of people, a lot of money. They charge a lot of money and they offer actually nothing of value. Nothing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nothing. And but, so that's sort yeah. of it. It's like, you know, the real experts are the people living it every day. And if you go to yes. an educational person who's maybe even been in the food game and all that, I have no problem with education, but it's facing backwards. You're looking at a rear view mirror perspective of yes. what has happened. So how yeah. do we learn in present day right now through what's going on in food right now, which again, the podcast, um, the summit as getting people together and then ultimately this sort of society or battalion or whatever you want to call it platoon of people that sort of will come together around it and we all fund it and we all take ownership of this thing that's the beneficial of everyone you know so that's sort of what we're looking at and get everyone to grow I'm, you know it's gonna be fantastic i'm really excited about it just when i when i started across it on instagram I, I knew then it was gonna be it just it did seem like something that was gonna be very beneficial to whoever was able to come and just learn and grow and collaborate and just feed off of each other and be open to hearing and learning and understanding and how to move forward. And I, it's going to be great. I feel it. It's going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to, to it coming up. It's June, June, right? Yeah. June 3rd and 4th. June 3rd and 4th. That's right. Well, and I'm going to piss people off by saying this and I'm going to go there. <laughs> You know, and I participate in them. So, like, the whole thing of shows and we sample food and you get in front of mm -hmm. buyers on mass levels and all that, mm -hmm. to me, it's still, while I get the point of it and I participate in them and we even have booths at them sometimes and all that, I get the point of them, but you're yes. not building any relationships. And no. you maybe talk to about, like, a fraction of a percent of the people you actually meet during that show. Cause you meet so many people and people mm -hmm. are trying to jump from booth to booth. You're not really building any relationships and you know, so it's like, it has to be different. And so I'm, I'm looking at it as this has to be 100% different and it's going to be more complicated and it's mm -hmm. going to be difficult to run. And, but the challenge is that, collaboration, actually getting people to build relationships with people, actually being able to actually have some value. I mean, you go to one of these shows between the hotel rooms and the cars and the the drive there and maybe even the flights and the ticket to get in, you spent like 
four or five thousand dollars sometimes with yes, it. And a lot. Yes, it's a lot. And what is the real value you're getting out of it? I get it, you could excel your business, but you're not gonna be able to excel it at ten X. And so that's yeah. where I'm like, that's what the goal is, is we need to do this differently. And I've been around and in the food game long enough to know that there's way better ways we can do this in the modern world with video conferencing and summits and speeches and getting people together every once in a while in person to build relationships. You know, we have Facebook groups and things like that. So it's now building to that level where it just sort of makes sense. You know, there's tons of avenues and grocery stores and big box stores. Everyone thinks that's the biggest way to make money. It isn't anymore. We online stores and, yep, and things like absolutely. that and, and markets. It, there's the world is changing. And especially during the quarantine where every, everyone's buying online, we're seeing mm -hmm. a really big shift in here. That doesn't mean the box stores or the grocery stores are going to go away. They're still very much needed. But there's yes. other ways to build your brands in the meantime while you're trying to get in there. That's not that's a that should be a long term goal. And there's other ways to build your brand in the meantime. And then you have the choice whether you want to go into a big box store or a grocery store or not. And if that's really beneficial to your business, because you have to pay to get into those places. That's right. Absolutely. You, know, you pay to play there. It's not just pure profit once you get in the door. And if you're a small company and you try to scale that fast, you're broken very quickly because you can't afford it. Right. So, you know, how do we do that? And that's the other part of it, you know, is educating people on, Sometimes you want that big box store and you think you made it, but the person that's in between the brokering those deals, they're in it for the money and the exchange. They made it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're not in mm -hmm. it whether your business survives or not. And that's not everyone, so I'm stereotyping. <laughs> but you got to be careful. There are snakes in every business, and, and yeah. they're there to to get their own. And yeah, so for themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of businesses go under, they have great products. They have great business models because they try to scale too quickly because someone makes them a promise about how great it's going to be. And that's great. And I think you should have those hopes and dreams, but you should also understand there's huge amount of value in learning through the process before you explode out of your business. There you we know? go. So, yeah. That's it. So thank you, Ashley, for asking the question. I think now I've officially <laughs> said more words than you did on the podcast. No, I'm, I'm thankful for for you having me on today and and just being able to give me a chance to just talk and us bonding, bonding over food, which is ultimately what I want to do anyway. So I'm just glad that you reached out to me and we made it happen today. And I'm thankful for it, for sure. So, I'm looking forward to meeting you in June. Absolutely. And so, Ashley, I'm going to ask you something. We have okay. a lot of downtime with the quarantine and stuff going on. So I'm going to ask you to maybe come on in a two to three weeks again and do a part two. And I would really like to dive into some of your experience in Thailand and Costa Rica and talk about actually talk about different foods and different cuisines and the things you like about them and what you've learned and that. Let's really sure. dive into this whole world travel thing and start to explore it to build what you're trying to do. So I'd really like to. to dive into the weeds on that. Cause I think it's hugely valuable for the audience. Um, not only the entrepreneurs, but our audience to really see what food can be in the adventure it can take you on. Perfect. I'm, I'd be delighted to let's do it. Awesome. So I'll reach out to you on Instagram and we'll continue talking on there. Um, okay. Thank you everyone for listening in uh, to the podcast. L like I said, 
this is about the food entrepreneurs and sharing their lessons. They're doing it for free. I'm doing this for free. The podcast is free. I turned on every advertiser um, that comes this way. And you guys will be shocked to know that a lot of them are, are six-figure offers these days because of the popularity of the podcast. And I still turn them down because that's not what it's about. I don't want another food company advertising on this podcast because it's about mm-hmm. the entrepreneurs who are on this podcast. So that gives you guys a little bit of perspective of what's going on. Um, that being said, please share what these guys are doing. If you like what's going on here, you like the message, share the podcast, share it on social media, verbally tell a friend to listen to XYZ episode or the podcast itself. Give back to these people and also anyone you know in the food game, tell them about the podcast so they can learn or they can eventually get on the podcast so they can help teach someone something because we all... I'm willing to learn. Like I said, I only know 2%. I've got a long way to go before I die to get as close to 100% as possible, which is a lifelong goal, but knowing that I'll never get there, but I'm going to continue to try. So, um, absolutely. Thank you again, Ashley. And thank you everyone for listening in. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye.